0: Today on the Zabecast, complain about the weather on Father's Day weekend? Check. But there's a reason why. Pneumonia front. Gary Woodland has balls the size of church bells. Lonzo Ball and his dipwad daddy are headed to New Orleans. And are the Lakers really the favorite to win the NBA next June? Your bonus dose of Zabe starts your week right. So buckle up and let's go. (laughs) here we go. Monday, June 17th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Welcome to Hotel Confidential. It is a Milwaukee week for me, and so my production schedule for the ZabeCast should be normal, but I don't know exactly who's going to be on and when. I apologize for that. I'm working that out. Now, for most of you, you don't you're not even going to know that I'm here in Milwaukee. I don't make a big deal of it, but again, I'm not ashamed of it. Basically, this new show that I started on 973 The Game in Milwaukee. I agreed that, you know, even though I don't live in Milwaukee at this time, I said, "Look, I'll come up there on a regular basis, like once a month. You know, I'll I'll do that. I'll do that commute, especially I figured in the summer when it's gorgeous up here." Well, You'd think that June 15th would be a gorgeous weekend <laughs> and you'd be wrong. Something happened so and again you can blame it on me. I brought the bad weather. There's no use complaining about the weather. It's not going to change anything and you just end up sounding like a douchebag, but I fly in and on Friday and I get to my hotel room and I turn on the weather and the meteorologist here says something that catches my attention. He says, you know, so during the day on Saturday, it's going to be mild in the morning, maybe a chance of a shower, but then by mid-afternoon, there's going to be this, and I believe this is what he called it, a pneumonia front coming in. The wind direction will change 180 degrees. It'll start coming in off Lake Michigan, and the temperatures will drop by as much as 20 degrees or more. Of course, I'm always keen to call bullshit on meteorology terms that I think are either made up, oversold, or shit that they just pull out of their ass. Things like derecho. And don't say, oh no, no, that's a real meteorological term. You can look it up and it goes back to this date and da-da-da. Shit that I never heard of growing up, I'm like, you just made that one up right there. I scoffed. I laughed. I said, pfft, a pneumonia front. Ooh, ooh. Well, sure enough. When I was out playing by the time my tea time came at 2 o'clock at the fabulous Blue Mound Country Club, thank you, Dan Lenz, and thank you uh, for the members who got me out there, uh, Brian and Tom. Bottom line is they were right. <laughs> it was freezing. It's unbelievable. It's the middle of June. I've got a sweatshirt on. I've got long pants on, and I had to pull out my fleece-lined or, I guess, fabric-lined uh, raincoat, my, 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 uh, my rain suit. I'm like, this is nuts, but Hey, this is called the upper Midwest. And if you think it's bad here, I'm sure church will tell me, Hey, come to Minnesota. You never know what you're going to get. Anyway, I guess the pneumonia front thing comes from you're warm or warm ish and you're out doing activities. You get a little bit of a sweat up and then all of a sudden, boom, winter wind direction changes. Next thing, you know, it's like, Oh shit, I'm now freezing. Uh, I'm going to get pneumonia. Of course, we all know that's an old wives' tale. Going out in the cold without a coat does not give you a cold. A cold is a virus and it has nothing to do with being cold or doing stuff that your mom used to say. But hey, some some myths persist. So as a Father's Day weekend here, and I know I was out of town For Father's Day, which I know people, in fact, one of my guys said, "So did you get a hall pass for Father's Day?" And I said, "Wait a minute, a hall pass? The fuck does that mean? It's Father's Day. It's my day. I should be able to get the pass if I want. I should call the shots." Of course, your your wife and your kids they want to say how much they love dad and appreciate and you know make you a nice dinner and open a present or two and some cake and to be with dad. I get all that, but as I told my family, I said, "Look." We'll have Father's Day next weekend. We'll have Father's Day whenever we want. We'll, we'll, we'll have two Father's Day. We'll have no Father's Day. It doesn't matter. We don't march to the drum of big holiday, you know, the conglomerate that forces all these holidays and forces us uh, to do extra and buy extra and do things. Big holiday. Ooh, it's Father's Day. You got to do something. Eh, we'll do it next weekend. If at all, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I know my kids and my wife love me. And I love them, and uh, they gave me a card before I left, and boom, away you go. Hope you had a good Father's Day. And uh, if you were here, if you live here in Milwaukee, uh, you're like, yeah, I had a great Father's Day planned, and uh, the weather sort of ruined it. Hey, man, it is what it is. What can you do? I went to my young Jedi associate producer, director of digital media, minister of all that what's happening, Josh Albrecht. This weekend. He, Josh, by the way, is not real keen. He, he He's sort of hung up on titles. Shay is my executive producer. And executive doesn't mean shit when it comes to radio. It just means you're the guy who's going to get blamed when things aren't the way they should be. No extra money for being executive producer versus producer. I went to Josh's birthday party. I think he turned 29, something like that. And it was at a local bowling alley. It was a great birthday party. It was just very low-key. We bowled, we ate pizza, had a little cake, drank Pabst beer, bing, bang, boom. Got to meet uh, Josh's wife, Julie. I did not just a double take, I did a triple take. I was like, wait, "Wait, hold on, Josh, where's your wife again? No, this is her right here. Julie, come say hi to Steve. Uh, oh, hi, hi, you're, you're Josh's wife. And then I had to like take a time out to go, Okay, dude, seriously, you are way out kicking your coverage. How does this work exactly? I think it's a beautiful thing. It shows you that love is not, and, and Josh is not ugly, but he is a full blooded, full sized, good old Wisconsin boy, and his wife is lovely. And they have a beautiful two year old boy, Jordy. Who ran around bowling, pushing the bowling ball down the little metal ramp and all. It was very cute. Of course, Drew Olsen came by and decided he's too cool to bowl. He refused to bowl. And I'm like, what what is wrong with you, Drew? You are such a negative Nelly all the time. You don't do stuff. You don't you wear gear. You don't like golf. You you're just whatever it is, activity, you don't want to be part of it. And Drew always likes to brag. I don't wear the ribbon like in Seinfeld. I don't wear the ribbon. Well, he does nothing. I find out later that Drew doesn't like bowling because he doesn't want to put his feet into a pair of shoes that somebody else has worn. No matter how much of the magic talcum powder or magic foot deodorizer, sanitizing, whatever in it, oh no, he doesn't want to do it for that reason. I bowled. I think I had a 106 and a 107, and I nearly blew out my fucking knee, bowling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was quite a scene. So I'm having trouble with my, my slide foot, my front foot. You know, it's right, left, right, slide, left foot, release the ball. Every time I've bowled in the last down to how many years, my plant foot has stuck. It doesn't slide properly. Probably because I'm way too fucking fat. Maybe I'm just not as coordinated as I need to be. Maybe it's because I'm not putting a little dash of talcum powder on my the soles of my bowling shoes. That was one trick Josh showed me. He's like, well, you need some talc. And so I grabbed the bottle. I'm about to just douse it in talcum powder like, like a baby's butt. And he goes, whoa, 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 no, no, no. He takes a little bit on his hand and his fingers and just sort of wipes it on the bottom. That helped a little bit, but not a ton. So... At one point, I asked Josh, who bowled collegiately at Wichita State, non-scholarship sport, but still, he bowled in college. And he's very good. He comes from, by the way, a big bowling family in Wisconsin. His dad and his uncle, I believe, are both in the Wisconsin State Hall of Fame for bowling. How about that? And Josh likes to joke, and I'm the kid that disappointed him. Both my dad and my brother. I'm just kidding. I met his dad, he was very proud of his son. Anyway, so I say to Josh, I'm like, all right, what's going on here? I said, Am I supposed to be sliding on my front foot while gently keeping my heel a little bit off the boards? So, in other words, to slide with sort of a, a prancer's sort of stance on my forward foot, with my heel slightly in the air so it doesn't stick. So I'm not clod hopping it just <laughs> on the ground. And having the rubber heel from my rental shoes dig into the lane and cause my arm to then swing wildly left and throw a gutter ball and have people laugh at me. And I think his response, and I don't know, he had had several paps by then, was something along the lines of, yeah, go ahead, try that. Okay, I did. And on the first and only time I tried it, I tried to keep my heel in the air. It didn't really work. I then stopped sliding with my forward foot the 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 no, the balls of my feet I guess balls no not the balls whatever the forefoot is that stopped sliding I was off balance cuz I was trying to keep my heel uh, off the ground and I toppled forward sort of like a bicycle whose kickstand had been knocked out from under it I topple forward I smash my left knee into the boards I I tumble awkwardly over the foul line, half into the gutter, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, mo- oh, sweet mother of God, I've just blown out my knee." Bowling, this is unbelievable. So I check my knee and I'm like, "Okay, ow, 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 it hurts, it hurts. Why me?" I'm Nancy Kerrigan, and I quickly realize, "Okay, it hurts, but shake it off. You didn't blow out your knee ligaments." You just cracked your knee on the boards. And it was at that point I realized, okay, and this was like in the second frame of the second game. So from there on out, I just took three little gentle steps, threw the ball from waist height, and didn't give a fuck where it went. I wasn't going to stop playing, but I wasn't going to try anymore. I still bowled about the same, 107. It was at that point I realized, hey, it's time to retire Yes, that's right, retire from bowling. Every activity in a man's life, everything that he used to do, at some point there's going to come a time in which that little voice, that little man on your shoulder says, pst, tap, tap. That's it, you're done, give it up. So I have retired from bowling. A sport that I adored and I obsessed about as a kid, I would bowl in my parents' front hallway with plastic bowling pins and a plastic ball for hours at a time until dinner, until it was dinner time, and my parents were cool because hell, those plastic pins were scratching up the inside of the front door, and scuffing up the the, the woodwork in the hallway, but they let me do it anyway. You know what? How are you gonna stop a kid from doing what he wants to do? I was in a bowling league as a kid, uh, and they kept score, real score, every week, which I really loved because you know being a competitive little piece of shit. Suburban kid, I'm like, ooh, let's keep score. And I love bowling. I would watch it on TV all the time. Mark Roth, uh, one of my favorite bowlers growing up. Of course, I saw a little bit of Earl Anthony at the tail end of his career. Uh, Marshall Holman was another guy who was really good. And I've always liked the concept of bowling. It feels great when you hook one right into the pocket and the pins make that unmistakable clatter. And it's just, it's a flurry of like, the pins are all wiped out. It's a total... When you hit the pocket just right, the pins explode, and there's no chance any of them would be left standing. That feels good. That does feel good. I like that. And bowling is a good social activity because you can do it with all ages, and you can do it with men and women, it doesn't matter. And you can drink. What's not to like? And And, this being Milwaukee, you can do it indoors where if it's a shitty weather Father's Day weekend in the middle of June, where you'd rather be outside but you're not, you can do it nicely inside. Or, of course, for the long winter months, bowling is a great way to kill the time. Well, it was fun while it lasted. I'm now officially retired from bowling. And my knee is okay if you're wondering, so thank you for asking. Are you going to get to the U.S. Open? Yes. Jesus, yes. Okay, here we go. U.S. Open goes to Gary Woodland, the guy who had been 0-7 with 54 hole leads prior to this in the PGA Tour, a guy who had won three tour events, which is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, to make it to the PGA Tour, to have your card just once in life is a hell of a thing, and he made it, and he won three tour events. Now, he's never been on a Ryder Cup team or a President's Cup team, to my knowledge, he will almost certainly be on one now uh, next fall, a year from this September in Wisconsin, here in Wisconsin at Whistling Straits. Good for him. He is, as you I'm sure know by now if you watch the telecast. he is a former basketball player, uh, wanted to play college basketball, uh, couldn't quite make it, transitioned to golf. He is, of course, a very low-key, very calm guy, boring-ish. He almost makes Brooks Kepka look dynamic by comparison. And a hell of a player, powerful player, compact, efficient swing. And he had the week of all weeks. And he pulled off the shots when he needed them. On Saturday, when he had to chip in uh, to avoid a bogey, he chips in to avoid a bogey. Uh, Making a bomb to do the same, same thing. And then, of course, on Sunday, the big shot he hit was on 14, the par 5, where he goes for it in two and hits just a missile of a three-wood or a hybrid or whatever it was. I've been lucky enough to play Pebble Beach, Pebble Pebble Beach. You have no idea what the 14th green on that par 5 looks like and how small it is, how steep it is, how tricky it is. It's insane. That thing is it's like it feels like the size of a of a Volkswagen Beetle. It's a tiny ass green up on a mound. There's a yawning bunker in front. There's that Big, long fescue grass that they let grow up around the bunkers, the same fescue grass that fucked Rory McIlroy, my guy, on number two on Sunday, hit it into that tall fescue, could barely advance it, just chops it out into the bunker, takes double, his day was basically done. He takes on that pin up on that shelf, on that tiny-ass green from 267 or something stupid like that, missile three-wood, and it lands just over the front, and it is soft enough, it doesn't run over the back, and he's got a chip, he chips it up, makes birdie. That was the ball's ass shot of the tournament. And the fact that these guys can hit those shots under pressure, it's beyond belief. The fact that they can hit the ball the way that they do is ridiculous. Uh, it, it just if you're to sit there and watch the way the ball flies. Oh, by the way, shot tracer, glorious. Fox, Mwah. Fox introduced now a new shot tracer in which they will follow the ball down the fairway from what looks like an aerial vantage point. Now, I think it's just the camera zooming in. So it looks like you're in a small craft or a drone flying behind a ball that has shot tracer going behind it. It looks phenomenal. But I think it's just a trick where they take their camera, their wide shot. They shot tracer it, and then they zoom in as the ball is going down the fairway. That look that Fox showed on number six, the par five, unbelievable. It's, that is straight-ass golf porn for anybody who plays the game. Not to mention all the other super tight, super slow-mo shots that I believe were shot at 480 frames per second. Our iPhones can go up to 240 in high definition and I think they went double that. They did a super slow-mo of Kepka hitting it from under the tree on Saturday on 18. That was just glorious. They did the same, uh, I believe, on Friday for somebody at number 6, which was awesome. They had Woodland's chip shot on 17. Oh, forget. So I said that the 3-wood into 14 was the balls-ass shot of the tournament. (laughs) Yeah, that and the chip over the edge of the hourglass green on 17 when he hit a horrible tee shot. And it looked like, oh, boy, pressure's getting to him. That chip shot, I don't know if I can explain it to people who do not play golf. There's no need for me to explain it to people who do play golf. Y- you already know. <laughs> that was re- to to nip a ball with a 60-degree wedge perfectly off a a lie on the green, so tight because he was on the green. He actually got to mark the ball, clean it, put it back, and then he chipped it with a little checkup over a tricky little brow, a little bit of a mound on the edge of the green up to about two feet. Bang. Par. <laughs> I mean, it's that's sick. If you heard Azinger, he said, man, you have no idea how hard this is. So if you don't play golf, that shot was ridiculous. And he pulled it off. And then, of course, he finished the tournament like a boss like a boss, three putts to win, and he drains a 35-footer in front of a massive sea of fans up in the grandstands. What a great scene that was. The only quibble I have with the USGA is they got to put those grandstands closer. They, they have like a good 20-yard setback from the edge of the green. It's too much. Get them up close. Really make it intimate on 18 because nobody was going through that green by more than 10 yards. And even if they did, then give him a drop off the grandstands. So let's get the fans right on top of the action. They were set a bit too far back. But what a great hero shot of him making that bomb like a boss and the entire ocean of fans erupting and chanting, Gary, Gary, phenomenal. And, of course, Brooks Kepka, or as my buddy Cowboy Mike derisively calls him, Bruce Kepka. Brooks Kepka just ran out of holes, basically. He just couldn't make a putt when he needed it the most, just like he did at the Masters. So he's got a solo second, a win, and a solo second in the majors this year. Last year, he has two championships in the majors the U.S. Open and the PGA. I'm telling you, people, stop hating on Bruce Kepka. Get on the Brooks train, baby. Because this guy is amazing. He was going for his third consecutive U.S. Open title, which hasn't been done in 114 years, which is kind of stupid to think about because you know what was going on 114 years ago? We didn't have the internal combustion engine. So, yeah, there's that. I don't think we did. When did they make that? Uh, The first Model T was, uh, or was it the Model A? Okay, never mind. Bottom line is, Kepka is the truth. We get fooled as golf fans by guys who we thought were going to be the truth, and they turned out to not be the truth. Like like Rory. Rory is not the truth. Rory is a phenomenal player, but he had a hot streak, and he's kind of all or nothing. And he had a good tournament this week, but didn't win. I think people thought Jordan Spieth was going to be the truth, and it turned out he's not the truth. Dustin Johnson, after he finally won his U.S. Open after the rules fiasco at Oakmont, we're like, okay, here we go. He's thrown a couple away already. Now it's time. He's the truth. Look at this guy. 6'3", long arms, mashes the ball forever. He can putt now. This is it. He's off and running. Good luck beating him in majors. Guess what? Hadn't won since. Not a major, at least. So he's not the truth. I think Brooks Kepka is the truth and he is going to be amazing to watch I think for the next 10 years I don't think he's going to catch Tiger no he's not going to catch Tiger he's never going to catch Tiger in terms of charisma although he's getting better but he's going to be the one to watch I believe he's the truth maybe I'm wrong we'll see U.S. Open USGA did a good job with the course they set it up so it would be hard but fair yeah the winning score was uh, double digits under par Guess what? Who the fuck cares? Did the USGA identify the best players in the world? Yeah. Look at the leaderboard, not just Kepka and Woodland who had his week, but Rose who obviously floundered on Sunday. You look further down the list, you know, there's Stenson up there. Uh, You know, uh, Rory was there. Kuchar was there. You know, the, the better guys were there. Tiger was not there. He was really going backwards on Sunday and then got it together in the back nine and finished, what, two under, I believe. So that's like a top 20 for him, I'm guessing. Not bad. What I liked about Fox, and I liked almost all of Fox's coverage, I'm very much pro-Joe Buck. Uh, I am very much pro all the technology they use and the angles they bring and the drone usage and the shot tracer. I love Azinger to within an inch of it being uncomfortable. You know, as a heterosexual man, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, Fox did a great job, if you noticed, of not feeding us tiger highlights on Sunday. I guarantee you NBC would have done that. I guarantee you CBS would have done that. They would have made some rationalization in their head of, Yeah, we know he's not going to finish top 10, but look at this. Tiger's made three birdies in four holes. Let's show you one more highlight. It'll only take a second. What's the big deal? Come on. Tiger just made a putt. Everyone likes Tiger. He's wearing his red. Here. Here's the shot. CBS would have done it. NBC would have done it. I guarantee it. And yes, Fox did show Tiger a couple of times, but I'm convinced. And if you think I'm wrong, or if I didn't count the shots enough, then let me know. But Bottom line is, I think they did a great job of not mashing the tiger button cynically to try to pump up ratings like CBS would have surely done and NBC as well. Okay. Anything else on the U.S. Open that I need to say? Uh, Like I said, the course setup was great because they didn't trick it up to the point where it was impossible. I think they benefited because the sun never came out. I don't think there's a single shadow shot available all weekend. All four days, maybe. If there is, send me a picture. I don't remember seeing, and I didn't watch the open stem to stern eight hours a day like I normally do uh, because of my schedule, but I don't believe that they had any sunshine shots at all. Interesting. So with the cloud cover and with no wind, the green stayed perfect. They weren't Super soft, but they were soft enough that with a wedge in your hand, you could stick it and spin it back. And they were still challenging. And like I said, doesn't matter what the score is. The best players in the cream rose to the top. There was no Abraham answers, no offense, in there going, well, what's this guy's deal this week? Pebble is so spectacular visually, and it is so strategic. It's so interesting that it's a great venue for the Open. I, I kind of wish they'd go back more often. Somebody asked me via email, would you like to see him put it on a five-year rotation? Because that's what the RNA does with the, uh, with St. Andrews, their most hallowed course. They're every five years at St. Andrews. I said, no, nah, I don't know. Five years is probably a bit too much, especially because you know they play a tour event there every year, the AT&T in the winter. Now, the weather conditions are different. The course is set up different and everything else. But I think five years might be a bit too much. Great show. Great show. Good job, Fox. Good job, Gary Woodland. Oh, I forgot to mention the best thing of all was at the end, as he's being awarded the trophy, guess who does a little flyover? I believe two F-16 fighter jets. Why do they do that? Because Gary Woodland is associated with and does a lot of charitable work with a organization called Folds of Honor. And it was started by a retired military pilot I believe an Air Force pilot, who said, we got to do something for the families of these aviators that are lost in combat. Uh, And it might not just be pilots, it might be more than that, but this guy who's an avid golfer and a pilot said, I'm going to start this foundation, Folds of Honor, and Gary Woodland has been front and center as their main guy and has done tons and tons of work and donated a ton of his time and his name and his presence on tour to raising money, and so how perfect was it? that there was a flyover on the 18th hole at Pebble. Oh, man. Bad fucking ass. You know me and flyovers. God, I love them. I love them at stadiums. I love them at golf courses. You don't really get them that much. Wherever you can get them, I'm all for them. All right, the third big story item of the week, and by the way, or the weekend. By the way, I've been talking for 27 minutes straight. No cuts, no edits here. I hope uh, this is going okay for you people out there, uh, podcast listeners. I'm just going to keep going. I really don't have very many notes. This is all off the top of my head. So the big NBA news of the weekend was, of course, the Lakers have agreed to a trade with the Pelicans for Anthony Davis, the unibrow. Uh, They give up Ingram, and they give up Ball, and someone else, and three number one picks, which are not in consecutive years. One of those number one picks is this year's, which is number four. So the Pelicans now have... The Laker young guys, minus Kuzma, who was the best player, the one player that the Lakers really wanted to protect. And now the Pelicans are in a good shot to rebuild here with Zion and the fourth and, you know, these young guys. But the Lakers, with the trade alone for the unibrow, have vaulted up to be the odds-on favorite, according to Vegas, to win the NBA title. Man, do I want to short that to the fucking moon and back. No, I don't see it. Yes, they will be formidable with LeBron and Brow. Yes, they have money to go out and add another free agent, and we'll see who that might be. Could it be Kemba Walker? Could you reunite LeBron and Kyrie and get them to coexist peacefully? Who knows? <laughs> what if Kawhi joined the Lakers? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Nah, it's not going to happen. Clippers, maybe. Anyway, it's it's a move that you look at and you say, okay, cooler heads prevailed after the blood feud that erupted midseason when all of a sudden Agent Rich Paul's like, okay, we're going to force this down the Pelicans' throat. And the Pelicans are like, yeah, the fuck you are. No. And I know that they said we're never going to trade him to the Lakers. And it was something that Mike Francesa said last week to one of his callers he's like that's that's not going to happen it's no no that, that trade's not going to happen i don't see it i know something about that there's there's real bad blood there they they they're not going to do that they're they're never going to do that yeah well never schmever bottom line is when you have a player as good as uh davis and his agent is saying look he's never going to play for boston so there's going to be no bidding war for trade prospects this was it for the pelicans They couldn't go with another year of playing him and not playing him. They already lost half of last year. Once this trade was attempted and failed, they had to fucking bench him, which is kind of bullshit, really, if you think about it. You're a paying paying season ticket holder for the Pelicans. You're like, yay, we got Anthony Davis for at least this year and next year. He's going to try hard and really try to win games for our team. Oh, wait, he's not? Oh, he's not even playing. Oh, Okay. Why is that? Oh, yeah, we can't hurt him for the next team that's going to take him. Great. It does suck if you're a fan of a team that has a player who's a difference-making talent, and he just wants out because he can leverage that, and this is the NBA now. I'm not sure there's any other way around it. This is going to be the case going forward. If you're good enough and if you're determined enough to say, look, I'm going to play over there, wherever there is, Could be L.A., could be Boston, could be Chicago, who knows. But when you say, with a year and a half to go on your deal, and these year and a half goes quickly, you know, when you say, uh, I'm going to go play over there, and there's nothing you can do to stop me because of pure free agency, that's when teams have to then say, "Mm, (sniffs) hmm, crap, is he bluffing? Do you really want to do that? And then you have to start scrambling to try to get the best trade package you can. I think the Pelicans did better than they would have based on the trade offers. I think I remember from midseason. I don't recall the particulars. The best part of the trade is this Lonzo Ball and his dipwad dad, Happy Father's Day, LeVar, get sent to New Orleans. And for all my friends in New Orleans, and I know there are many of you listening to the podcast, I'm not using that as a slight against your city. I'm saying, ha ha. Lonzo Ball and Papa Ball because what was his whole dream as a dad? What was his whole crazy fantasy? I'm going to get not one, not two, but three. All three of my sons are going to play for the Lakers. Well, he got one kid on the Lakers, and the Lakers just sold him on eBay. So, yeah. (laughs) And... I know Lonzo uh, Lavar Ball said the Lakers will never win a championship now because of this. Yes. The curse of Lonzo Ball. Like trading like when the Lions traded away Bobby Lane. The curse of Bobby Lane. You'll never win again. I don't exactly see it that way. That said, okay, well, shit. Let's look at the let's look at the NBA landscape. This is the first big domino to fall in the offseason, which is going to be amazing as all these pieces start moving around. With the two injuries to the Warriors and the likely departure of Kevin Durant, Warriors are fucking done next year. In fact, I heard one sports radio host say something which was, I'm sure, a flippant comment, but I didn't think it was maybe the worst idea in the world. I know it would never happen, and I didn't say it was a good idea. I just said it wasn't the worst idea in the world. But one radio host said, well, I'm sure Steph is tired too, so why don't you give him next year off as well? And at first I go, Pfft, yeah, and then I go, what? Wait a minute, actually, that might not be the worst idea in the world because Clay is not going to be ready until midseason, right? All star break coming off a torn ACL. Durant's gone, gone. Uh, not not sure who else they can grab or spend their money on. I think they've got a decision coming up on Draymond Green, sooner if not later. So they're not they're not it this year. It's. I know they say bravely. We're not done yet. Uh, you're done for next year. That's for sure. 2021, uh, then we can talk. 2020, no, you guys are not participating in any meaningful way. Okay, moving right along. Let's see. Denver, Portland, still going to be formidable in the West, but now you got LeBron and the Unibrow and maybe star number three to come. Then you got Houston, which. It's an interesting deal in Houston. They feel like they've got to shake it up to go farther. They want somebody to take the huge contract of Chris Paul off their hands. Good luck on that. Uh, Daryl Morey fired all of D'Antoni's staff. They're lowballing D'Antoni on a new offer. It's very uncomfortable down there. I'm not sure that they can beat the Lakers. Maybe it is the Lakers in the West. And then if it is, oh, by the way, I'm totally uh, dissing the Utah Jazz. I shouldn't be. But, yeah, um, the West is interesting. And what about the East? The Bucks were second-best favorite team to win the title up until this trade happened, or the agreement for a trade, which is not going to be executed for a while, happened. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Of course, the Bucks have a big decision on Middleton coming up here, um, but I think they're going to pay it. They're going to pay whatever it takes to keep them. If that includes a max deal, super max deal. They'll do it, although I think it's a max deal, not a super max. Anyway, Jimmy Butler's a free agent. What does that do to the Sixers? Kawhi's the big decision point. Can they keep him? Can they possibly keep him in Toronto? If they do, well, then hold the phone. Toronto should be right up there amongst the favorites as well. And then there's Kemba Walker, who I guess I don't watch enough NBA. I didn't know he was that good. He said he'd turn down – he said that he'd like to stay in Charlotte. And, would, and he's not asking for the Supermax to stay in Charlotte, which is kind of nuts. Because it's literally a $60 million difference. It's the difference between $140 million and 220. And I know people are saying you can never spend all that money anyway. To which Antoine Walker, to which any number of other ex-athletes would say, Oh yeah? Hold my beer. You'll never spend all that money. Wait, where'd it go? It's gone. Going to be a fun summer in the NBA. I'm looking forward to it. I don't, still, I don't think the Lakers are going to win the title next year. I will confidently short that stock right now, even not knowing who the third big piece of that puzzle that everyone is talking about with the Lakers will be. I'll short it. I'll short that stock one way or the other from now until the end of time. And if you're the Lakers executive, the brain trust that got beat up so bad, and deservedly so, for the fiasco involving Magic Johnson's abrupt departure and the backstabbing and the drama and everything else. They're now like, okay, we pulled one out of our ass here. Isn't this great? And uh, I don't know if you can exonerate them. That's the thing. I don't know if that really makes up for the clown show that they had going before this. So they're happy. They traded away so much of Their future assets, thinking of course, well, they're first rounders, but we're going to be in the NBA finals for the next three years, so they're going to be 27, 28, 29, something like that. No big whoop! Oh, yeah, just see all the lower picks that the Raptors were able to use on their way to the title. Nobody was drafted in the, on that team above 15, which was Kawhi. Granted, a lot of those guys drafted by other teams, but still, it just goes to show. You can build great teams. Kuzma was a second-rounder, right? So they gave away a lot of their future assets, and they may not be as good as they think, which could make those number ones even better. The reason that I think Genie Buss and Palinka and the rest of the crew there did it is they don't even know of a world post-LeBron. They're not even thinking about a post-LeBron world. It doesn't even register to them. They basically say, he'll be gone, I'll be retired, I'll be fired by then. Who knows, Jeannie might retire, take a less active role. They're thinking we got three more years of this, and then we'll either gonna win a title with LeBron, have another parade high five, and it's great, or it's not gonna work, and then I gotta do something else. Certainly Polink will be gone, and anyone not named Jeannie Bus will be gone, I'm pretty much sure as well. So they don't care about all those future assets because they are they don't even know a world after LeBron James. Okay, thirty eight minutes, fifty seconds. I'm going to take a quick swig of my ice-cold Diet Coke, if you don't mind. I know I'm drinking Diet Coke. It's bad. Mm. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. That's a 40-minute straight take, top of my head, conversational style. Hope you liked it. No notes, no editing, no nothing. Hotel Confidential. I'll end on this today. O.J. Simpson apparently has joined Twitter. <laughs> well, well, well. How about them apples? He said apparently he wants to set the record straight. Who's going to be the first one to poke 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 at at uh you know O.J. Simpson and talk shit about the murders? Who's going to at O.J. Simpson and drop a gif of him making him look stupid? Who's going to at O.J. Simpson and post bloody crime scene photos with some snarky comment. Look familiar? At Juice or whatever his handle is. I know I wouldn't want to do it. Not that I'm afraid that O.J., who is an old arthritic, overweight man at this point, and I apparently mellowed since getting out of prison for this for in Nevada, not the second time. Should have been while well, he was in prison while his trial was going on, or jail. Um, I would not want to poke that bear. And if you're OJ, what good can come of, of being on Twitter? Seriously. How come you don't know what his Twitter handle is, Abe? I'll tell you why. I was off Twitter all day on Sunday. That was my father's gift to me. I didn't check it during the U.S. Open. I didn't offer my hot takes during the U.S. Open. I've decided I'm not giving my opinion Opinions away on Twitter anymore, not just because people can't handle them. They think that, you know, 240 characters is not enough to give a full-bred opinion, but why am I doing this for Twitter? Why am I throwing this shit out there? Hey, you want my opinions on stuff? Download the Zabecast, ding, ding, ding. You want my Milwaukee opinions? Download or listen to, I should say, 97.3 The Game, 6 to 9 a.m. local time, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. iHeart app. You can download it off of it. Well, not download. You can listen to it via the iHeart app if you're not in market. Or I believe it's coming to iTunes soon. Not sure about that. Bear with me. You want my opinions on DC stuff? Like, are the Wizards really going to get Masai Ujiri for an ownership stake package that breaks the mold for NBA GMs? Guess what? Tune in to my show from 4 to 7 in the afternoon. I'll just put teasers up there. I'll put. I'll put after-the-fact opinions is what I should do. I should put up one-minute, two-minute clips of, hey, this is what I talked about today on my radio show. Well, you could have just tweeted that you didn't think the Lakers would still win the title. Yeah, I could have. could have tweeted that out while I was sitting on the shitter. I could have tweeted that out when I was stopped at a stoplight. Not advised. I could have tweeted that out sitting in my hotel room watching the U.S. Open and being distracted from actually the activity that I wanted to do on Sunday, watch the U.S. Open. But I didn't. And it was glorious. So if you notice my Twitter feed being more and more just links, promos for podcasts, shows, etc. Guess what? That's on purpose. And if you don't like it, you can go unfollow me to the moon and back. I don't care. I am finally, once and for all, going to let Twitter start working for me. And I'm going to stop reading all that low-hanging fruit all that bad junk food poison. That's all it is. Scroll with a thumb. Scroll with a thumb. Scroll with a thumb. There is so much good stuff to read out there. Articles on The Athletic. Or books. Or a ton of things I could read. Shouldn't be reading Twitter. It's its absolute junk food. All right, that'll do it for me today. 43 minutes of unfiltered, unfiltered, edited straight off the top of my head Zavecast, not too shabby thank you for downloading we'll get our regular guest rotation starting Tuesday as I get in studio here at the uh, 97.3 The Game Studios and get some of our normal people on I appreciate you uh, bearing with me during that time, as always get the Zavecast app, it is absolutely free and very good to use unlike some other companies apps which I won't say, and have yourself a great Monday everybody and we will We'll see you next time. Like you and me-